Well, good morning, everyone. Maybe you've been enjoying this beautiful, hot weather. It's nice to have some rain last night. Uh, and as we've been enjoying this, this weather, I was, I was thinking about my man gardening, which isn't very good, and how it's been really going downhill. I was uh, remembering this past spring and cleaning out some, some large grass uh, clumps that uh, just every spring you need to, to clean out. And uh, as I was, I was thinking about this task, I, I, was, I uh, was thinking, how am I going to cut this down? It's something I need to get it done. So I, I get out my little hand clipper. I mean, these things are huge. So I have to try to clip it with my hand, and, and, and it's going to take forever, take hours. Well, that's not working. So I thought, well, I might as well take a, uh, a, maybe a handsaw. That's all I got. Try that. So I try to handsaw. That's that's not working at all. So it's it's just taking too much too much time. Well, uh, so I I thought I'd get smart this year, and so I uh, I borrowed a, a electric trimmer from a friend. And what was to take hours now? It, now it took seriously. It took 15 seconds to cut six or a, a, a dozen of these things down. Well, the reason I, I share that, that, that story is that, is that tools are essential. And having the, the proper tools is essential. And if, uh, if, if you're in a, a certain profession, you need certain tools. So if you are a, a bricklayer, you need a what? A trowel. If uh, you are a seamstress, you need a needle. Now, if you are a farmer, you need everything. You see, without tools, we would be lost. And as we've been looking through the the book of uh, Proverbs this past summer, the writer tells us that for wise living, the most indispensable tool that we need is discipline. And last week, we we looked at uh, the... the, uh, the privilege and responsibility of, of parenting and how discipline is crucial for our children. But the most instrumental uh, a tool for our lives is discipline. Proverbs 13, 18 says, He who ignores discipline comes to poverty and shame. So Scripture is telling us that if if we ignore discipline, we are, are going to manifest a life sliding toward ruin. And as I mentioned last week, uh, the word discipline is, is not a, a word we like. Uh, if we were to put a word picture with, with discipline, we think of you know, a, a, a soldier being yelled at. Or we think of a, a child being punished. Or we think of a, a student being expelled. And then we think about, uh, when we think about discipline, we think of it as an unavoidable evil. We think of oppressive patterns, that the, it's just the rigid duties or the daily deprivations. In other words, we see discipline as an outside force to just make life miserable. And we conclude that discipline is the enemy, the, the foe of a happy, joy-filled life. But let's look at discipline in a little bit different light. For some of us, and I know myself, we've been 
watching the Olympics since Friday. And when we watch these athletes cross the finish line, and even to get to that point where they're at and that level of competency, do you think they view discipline as evil? What about us who travel by air? I don't know if you're like me, but I get a little anxious when I take a flight. But what kind of pilot do you want? You'd probably want a, a pilot who has, uh, who has put the time in through, uh, through training and storms. A pilot has flown many hours. Enough to, to bring pa- people safely through any threatening situation. And what about surgery? What kind of surgeon do you want? You'd probably say you'd want a doctor who has, who has performed your specific surgery dozens or hundreds of times. One who has undergone, year, undergone years of studying rounds and, and examined patients. You see, for the athlete, the, the pilot, and the, and the surgeon, it took discipline. Discipline helped them relentlessly pursue their goals. So rather than as an unavoidable evil, we need to see discipline as an indispensable tool. Our greatest asset for our, for our life, but also for what? Our spiritual life. You see, seeking a discipline will bring life, not heartache, as, as Proverbs 4.23, as we read just a, a few minutes ago. It says, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. So are you guarding your most valued possession, protecting your heart? Rather than allowing the, the influences of the world and overtake our most valued possession, instead we are to have the discipline to what? To guard our heart. To protect it all at all costs. And so this morning, I want to look at just three principles that will help you seek discipline in your lives. For it is that essential, essential tool. Guarding our heart and cultivating a greater relationship with Christ. But let's start in a word of of prayer together. Lord God, we thank you for this time together, for the reading of your word. We thank you for the, the truth that your word will not return void. God, uh, even though this, this topic this morning is somewhat of a hard truth, God, may we find it also freeing. May we find it inviting. And may we invite it into our, our lives. So God, we ask your, your blessing upon our time. Open our ears and eyes. In Jesus' name, amen. David McCullough Jr., uh, a a son of a a famous historian, gave a commencement speech uh, to his high school that went down in history. And if we've been to enough uh, graduation ceremonies to know that usually these speeches consist of certain themes, uh, such as you can take on the world or you can do anything. And so David McCullough rather shocked his students by saying, you are nothing special. You are like any other high school student in the country. 
But for us, rather than living and believing in this, in this speech or, or believing in this mediocrity, the first truth that we are to, to, as we seek discipline in our spiritual life, is to seek a high goal. To aim high. As someone told me uh, this, this past week, uh, shoot for the moon. And if you don't make it, at least you'll be in the stars. And unfortunately, many times we compromise our goals. We, we dream small. We think small. But the truth is we need to aim high. Think bigger and grander. You see, I use this question and, and concept in, in counseling to uh, engaged couples in premarital counseling. And so I ask the question between 0 and 10, 0 being awful, 10 being excellent, what kind of marriage do you want? Do you want an awful one? Do you want 10? you want an excellent one? Of course, what are they going to say? 10. We want an incredible marriage. And so then I follow up with that question by saying, well, what are you doing now to make it a 10? Well, I had one couple that I asked the question. They said, well, we'd like an 8. Um, they said, we're just trying to be realistic. But when it comes to our spiritual lives, don't we want a 10? Because if we think about our discipline, we develop discipline. Why develop discipline if we don't have a goal challenging us enough to require it? In other words, why pay the price? There's no need to bother with discipline if we're just going to meander through life. You see, the the loftier goal, the, the greater the discipline. And we would say, why don't we do this spiritually? We put other disciplines in our life. Vocationally, we may have dreams of attaining our highest level of education or profession. And so we need, so they put discipline in their studies and in their time. We we may put it in our relationships. You may dream of being a, a spouse or a parent or a friend who, breathes life into other people and so you invest time in others financially we also do this you may dream of honoring god with your your finances and and serving god with your your money but you'll need discipline in how you spend it but what about spiritually do you do you dream of using your spiritual gifts in a in a meaningful way do you have a vision to quit uh, maybe a, an addiction that you feel dependent upon? Do you want to see yourselves experience greater joy in your life? Do you have a, a vision for a greater intimacy with Jesus Christ? Yeah, someone told me uh, the other day, go big or go home. See, when we think about our our faith, our relationship with God and guarding our heart, we need to aim high, think big. At the same time, some people are squeamish about uh, having such big goals, including myself. My wife would tell me I'm I'm a man of practicality and this makes me feel uncomfortable. It's kind of presumptuous. But I also had to ask myself this week, what is presumptuous about being made in the image of God and aspire to make a difference in the lives of others 
and to grow spiritually. Really, to, in order to actualize the potential that God has in our lives. You see, Proverbs 13, 12 also says, A hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. See, I believe a, a strong and healthy desire to grow comes from God. When we strive diligently, we receive a reward that is energizing and beautiful like a tree of life. So rather than living in remorse and without hope, see, when it comes to now guarding our heart and, and aiming high, we need to have a vision for it. So what is your vision? If you are a, a college student, you, you may need to seek a vision for purity as you go back to school. If you are a, a single person, you may need a vision for your, your future husband or, or wife and not compromise your convictions. If you are a, a spouse, you, you may seek a, a greater vision for what a godly husband or wife may look like. If you are a senior adult, you may need to seek a big, bigger vision for what God has for you right now. Or how you will leave this earth with, with no regrets and blessing others. Well, this, uh, just before Christmas uh, this past year, as I was thinking about this, I had a, a goal that was on my bucket list, and maybe you guys have a bu bucket list. But uh, I had the goal of running my first marathon, and, and so I started running each week and running long runs on the, on the weekend. So if you saw me on Sunday morning and I looked tired, that's probably why. Um, but uh, anyways, I, I continued to, to seek that vision, and uh, unfortunately I had a, a kind of a physical uh, issue that, and, and slowed down my, my training, and I didn't know if I was going to make it, and other people told me you shouldn't do it. But I just felt, okay, I'm, I'm going I'm to pursue this. I'm going to do this. It's on my bucket list. And so I'm proud to say I was able to finish, as well as Paul Austin. He finished as well. Um, but we, uh, I finished just uh, over five hours. It was about completion, not time. But when it comes to our, our spiritual life and guarding our, your heart, are you aiming high? Is there something that you need to aim high and get beyond? You see, is there a, something that an addiction or a or past relationship or a failure? Is there something you wish you had more of? Maybe it's more joy, more patience, more kindness. Whatever it might be, are you aiming high in your walk with Christ, seeking a vision to become more like Jesus Christ. Well, being uh, as hot as it is, I, I was thinking about our, our next truth the other day when Corey and I, my wife, got in the car and, and you can ask yourself, what is, what is better? If you're like my wife, right when you get into the car, uh, you turn the AC fan all the way to max. And what, do you, what you get is a continued rush of hot air. 
Well, you might be like me then, who waits for the AC to get a little cool, okay? And then once it gets cool, then you, you, you rack it up to, to high. So I, I've already cleared this with my wife to explain this, this uh, illustration. But, uh, you know, not to say that, and we're still figuring out who is right here. But if you waited, okay, uh, this discipline is called delayed gratification. And M. Scott Peck defined delayed gratification as, as nothing more than arranging the pains and, and the pleasures of life to ensure and enhance the pleasure by facing the pain first. In other words, you pay now in order to, what, play later. And we may have learned this concept growing up as, as kids, or maybe you still do this. And, you know, you, you get your plate of food and you see the peas there and you say, well, I have to get through those. And so you eat, you eat the peas in order that you can enjoy the rest of your, your dinner or your, the dessert without interruption. Well, we might also do this in our professions, don't we? We might uh, uh, have the philosophy that if I work some long hours and be diligent in that, then I can maybe retire early or get a promotion. Well, we may also do this relationally. Uh, when it comes to our relationships uh, and friendships, and when we have a disagreement with someone else and and it is difficult to resolve. We have a choice to make. Will we try to resolve the disagreement? And it's, there's no guarantees. It's painful. It's risky. But what a great relationship and friendship that can, can be strengthened through working through those difficult times. Well, we know that there are no guarantees. We don't have that ultimate control. But if we think about it, there is definite value and validity to this concept. And now when we think about this concept in, in our spiritual life, delayed gratification is the best means for us to, to, to live responsibly and honorably before God and find meaning and joy in all that life brings us. For we are going to have hard times. You see, delayed gratification is at the heart of discipline. For it is extremely hard to deny ourselves. And Hebrews 12, 11, uh, confirms this. It says, No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Discipline is painful. It is, and, and pain is inevitable. And we don't want the pain or discomfort. Our, our body, our mind hates it. But we need this in order to guard our heart by seeking the things that give us life, things that sustain us. Well, verse 11 then gives us a promise to this plan. It says, Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Pain is inevitable, but so is the harvest. The payoff, the, the reward. There is blessing when we pay now in order to play later. God grows us and the scripture reminds us that it produces within us character and ultimately hope. 
See, if we use this, this concept spiritually, God could use this. As we put our, our time in, in reading the Scripture and supplementing that instead of just in front of the TV. We could use this concept by tithing, giving to a, a ministry, supporting a missionary, giving towards the needs of AIDS in Africa rather than what? Ourselves. We could use this concept in our, in our marriages by telling our spouse, <clears throat> I told you so. Not saying, I told you so. Instead, forgiving them. Helping them by walking alongside them. How are you at paying now in order to play later? That you would produce a harvest of righteousness in your life. Are you delaying that pleasure now in order that you would enjoy the righteousness that comes with it? Are you paying now to play later? Well, the third truth takes us into the R-rated section of Proverbs concerning the, the folly of sexual sin. But this principle can obviously go into other areas of our life. Proverbs 5, 7, and 8, I know Doug has used this passage as well. It says, Now then, my sons, listen to me. Do not turn aside from what I say. Keep to a path far from her. Do not go near the door of her house. This proverb gives us a, a direct warning to his sons uh, concerning a, a loose woman who lives down the road. He is saying, if you want to avoid sexual sin and its consequences, you need to decide ahead of time to avoid temptation. The truth to us, in order to guard our heart, we need to make our decisions now when our thinking is clear. Think of the areas in your life that, that are weak and make a decision now how you will avoid that temptation. In other words, have an escape plan. And if we were to look at the, the benefits of purity in, in this situation, you would have a, a, some of the benefits would be you would have a clear conscience before God. You maintain integrity before your friends. You don't have to worry about sexually transmitted diseases or unwanted pregnancies. You honor your mar marriage vows and you live with integrity before your children. There's much benefit. Well, if you are savvy with finances, uh, this is called a cost-benefit analysis. And what a cost-benefit analysis does is weigh the alternatives of an investment. The, the benefits versus the risk. And you compare the choices, then make the right decision. But the truth is, sin is never a benefit. It is always a risk, and it is always a loss. Because sin can do major things in our lives. And then it can incur a cost. You may lose your job, your marriage, friends, or family. 
Scripture tells us that we need to make wise choices. And what I love about this next proverb is it says, if we don't make these wise choices, we are literally toast. Proverbs 6, 25 and 26 says, don't, you, do, do not lust in your heart after her beauty or let her uh, captivate you with her eyes. For the prostitute reduces you to what? A loaf of bread. You are toast, literally. The truth is, few people are strong enough and, 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 to make moral, heroic choices in the midst of powerful temptations. And as a pastor, I see it over and over again. Proverbs 6, 27 uh, confirms this as well. It says, can a man scoop fire into his lap without his clothes being burned? Can a, can a man walk on hot coals without his feet being scorched? It's impossible. And we all want to think that we are invulnerable to the fires or to the temptations around us. We think we are superman or, or superwoman. But a part of maturing is, is owning up to our vulnerabilities. And part of that maturity is making decisions well in advance of them occurring. So we need to think in advance in order to guard our heart. And at times we need that escape plan. Some plans may be simple things as deciding the night before to set your alarm a little earlier to just be in God's Word. But more drastic plans might be if you are married. And you know that there is someone that you are slightly attracted to and they are attracted to you. Make a decision now. Not to be in the same room with them alone. Not to receive their calls or texts. Or, in other words, make a decision now to avoid them like the plague. Well, if you struggle with uh, coveting or, uh, or materialism, bring a friend who will keep you accountable when shopping, make a decision now. If you have leniences towards pornography, the best, the best thing may not to have a computer at home. Making that decision, or at least having it in a, situated in an open area in your house. Have an accountability partner. Make that decision now. So are you planning in advance? Are you counting the costs? Are, are you establishing that escape plan to avoid sin? Well, as we conclude this morning, I, I want to encourage you, if you plan to seek discipline in, in the long haul, you need to integrate little celebrations into the patterns of our lives. Or you will structure the joy out of life. And Proverbs 17.22 says, a, a cheerful heart is good medicine. In other words, God knows we need laughter, we need fellowship, we need fun, spontaneity, and, and celebration. They are necessary and life-giving. We need those tiny celebrations so that we are just not in a path of, of discipline that is legalistic or rigid or unforgiving. 
And see, whether it's celebrations or, or, or discipline, know that they are necessary and, and truly crucial to our faith. And we need to see things in light of what truly matters, don't we? And the, I would say that the best way to reflect on what truly matters is to look at things in relation to eternity. That when we are getting ready to, to leave this earth, are we seeing things in relation to how God sees it? That we, we would have no regrets in our lives and what, for what God has entrusted to us. Sure, we are going to screw up and, and God's grace is abundant. But we need to look at things to what truly matters to Him. For we are accountable to Him when we have choices to make. As Jesus reminded us in uh, Luke 12, 48, to whom much is given, much is required. So the question for us is, will we give as much as we have been given? Will we use what God has entrusted into us for His glory and not ours? See, Jesus told a parable about this choice. The story of the, the ten talents, a talent being a, a measurement of, of money or possession or, or as well as ability. And Jesus says that there were three servants. One was given five talents, one was given two talents, and one was given one talent. And they were to take what they were given and invest it. And the one with five and two did well. But the servant with one just dug a hole and buried it. For the ones who invested and brought in more, when the master returned, they were told, they were told, well done, my good and faithful servant. And the one who brought nothing, even though even what was given to him was taken away. What are you going to do with what God has given you? Your talents, your gifts, your, your skills, your time, even more importantly, your heart and protecting it to what gives you true life? Are you going to use discipline not only to protect it, to grow that relationship with Jesus Christ? And do you want Jesus to tell you when that role is called up yonder, well done, my good and faithful servant? Where does God want you to establish discipline Is it maintaining sexual purity, establishing healthy relationships, working with integrity, being a faithful spouse? You fill in the blank. You know where you need discipline and how you need to accomplish it. Do you need to aim higher, have a greater vision? Do you need to seek to pay now in order to play later? Or do you need to decide now how and what your escape plan may be? Each of them do require intentionality and discipline. So whatever you do, whatever you do, don't let the tool of discipline rust in your toolbox. The choice is yours. Let us pray.
Lord gracious God, we, we thank you for your grace in our lives. And we thank you that you use discipline, you use hardship, you use circumstances and pain to grow us and, and draw us even closer to you. God, may we cling to your grace, but God, may we also step forward to seek what it means to, to live in a relationship with you. To strive to become more like you. To see the fruits of the Spirit evident in our life. Or to rid of some sin that's causing us estrangement. But God, you know our needs today. And God, we, we commit them before you this morning. So God, be in this word. May it apply to our lives. And we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.